It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the mind of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Guestman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Guestman. Joining me as always, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Coming to you on Monday, March 19th, 2018, the LA Galaxy coming off of a bye week in which they didn't play. That's why they call it a bye week. Uh, also dropping in the standings just by standing still, of course. That's always uh, always fun to see. But the LA Galaxy have a match coming up against Vancouver this Saturday. We're certainly going to get you somewhat pointed towards that match because there's a lot of things going on in Galaxy Land for an off week and we have a ton to talk about. Also going to get to your questions. Uh, like I said, a bunch of fun topics. So before we get any further, let's check in with Mr. Kevin Baxter. Uh, back in the United States of America, I believe there, uh, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Hola. <laughs> hola, 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 mi amigo. Um, you were down in León. Not even, not even Ola Camara this time. No, no, of course not. But you were down in León, weren't you? I was in León, and, and if you don't know where that is, it's in central Mexico. It's just south of Mexico City, and uh, there is a uh, soccer team there, FC León. <laughs> yes. They play, by the way, the, the stadium they play in, uh, Stadio León, which is also called um, New Camp, which if you, you know, from La Liga, you have Camp New. They have New Camp. It's actually called Stadio León. But anyway, I did not know this, that according to the PR staff there with the team, Estadio León has hosted more World Cup games than all but two stadiums in the world. Only the Maracaná in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil and Azteca in Mexico City has hosted more World Cup games than Estadio León. Well, why were you down there now, Kevin? What what could you possibly have to do down there? Well, I went down to watch a game. I saw León uh, play Lobos on Saturday. It was a 2-2 draw. León rallied from a 2-0 deficit to, to draw the game. Oh, and Landon Donovan was there, too. Oh, Landon, that Landon Donovan, the guy who used to play for the LA Galaxy. Yeah, and I have to tell you, I've known Landon for a long time. Uh, I've always found him interesting. I've always found him, um, uh, um, for a sports personality especially, he's always interesting. He, he's always uh, asking good questions, asking me good questions, and then giving good answers uh, I've never known him to sort of dance around a question, or and, and he never speaks in cliches in English or Spanish. So I've always really liked Landon, and his I've had a chance to meet his family, just the whole nine yards. I really, really like him and his family, and I think he's an interesting guy. You know, he took that sabbatical to Cambodia. Come on, who does that? Yes. Yeah. Um, he's... In, you know, I, I don't want to go off the deep end and say he's 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 a deep guy and, and really... but But he is kind of quirky uh, and i should know because i'm quirky too yes he is i've been told anyways he is kind of quirky and that makes him interesting but in any case the point is he had to come out of retirement as we all know in january to go down and play in leon and when i talked to him i have to say that all the time i've known him i've never seen him so relaxed um he just seemed like he's really really happy down there and and we talked a little bit about why he came out of retirement and his story is there were a number of things that he wanted to do. He grew up, uh, like as I did, in a Mexican-American neighborhood with a lot of Mexican-American kids that he played with his friends. And he said he'd always wanted to get to know the Mexican people a little bit differently. And as you know, when he played for the national team, he had sort of a on-again, off-again uh, relationship with the fans. The fans would boo him and throw things at him. But then he made a uh, commercial for Televisa, uh, which was a, you know, for the Mexican lottery. So, right. um I think the fact that the that the fans gave him everything they could and more and Landon never backed down, I think they he won their respect. 
So he's down there playing. He wanted to get to know the Mexican people a little bit better. He said he wanted to mentor some of the younger players, which is why he's down there. He's played four games for a total of 37 minutes in his two months in Leon. Um, it was a little bit of an adventure, he kind of says, for him and his family. Um, but the other thing is he just – he wanted to – he wants to retire on his own terms, and he didn't say this, but it was fairly obvious. When he left in 2014, he was at the top of his game. Remember, he had a career high in assists that year and took the uh, Galaxy to MLS Cup title. But he quit after that season largely because he was so disappointed in the sport and, and in Jurgen Klinsmann's decision to leave him off the World Cup team when he should have been there, clearly. I think he was very disheartened, and so he quit there. Then he came back in 2016 helped the Galaxy get into the playoffs, suffered a little bit of a knock in that final playoff game, and the Galaxy did not resign him because they were going for the youth movement. So, again, two retirements, neither one were totally his decision, I don't think. Right. And so I think he's come back um, because he wants to retire on his terms. He also said for the first time that soccer is fun for him. He said since 2006 World Cup, this, it, it, there's just been too much pressure on him. This is the guy who's always been the face of U.S. soccer, and that really took a toll on him. Right. Now he's just down there. He's not the guy that has to play uh, to start every game and score 20 goals. The team's success does not depend on him, and he's kind of liking that. Yeah, I, I can understand that. Again, I agree with you. I, I will say this. Landon is all, sort of the antithesis of, of you know most pro sports athletes, at least in my opinion, Kevin. He's always been more, you know, internally looking than externally looking, and he's always been more worried about, you know, his happiness than wins or losses or different things. And that's not to say Landon's not competitive, because he certainly is. Um, and, and you can see that when he's on the field, and you can see that when he played for the United States for the LA Galaxy for so many years. So that is. But yeah, I mean, you could tell that whenever he stopped playing, and I was there, I was at the press conference uh, that he had at StubHub Center, uh, and I I think then at the Home Depot Center, uh, when Jurgen Klinsmann cut him and, and talking about that. And, and I remember seeing the guy, and you could just tell. You know, it wasn't fun for him. It wasn't a thing that he was probably going to do long-term anymore, and it ended up not being that way. So uh, it's fun to see him down there, but it's always always fun to hear about Landon sort of, you know, going, and, and he's the perfect sort of guy to go and play down uh, down in Liga MX, down for Leon, and, and, and play and, you know, take that as an experience right now and, and understand that it is an experience for him and not necessarily something he has to do. Yeah, and, and like I said, he's enjoyed it. He has his family with him. There had been some speculation that maybe one of the things was he wanted to, you know, he maybe, maybe he wasn't enjoying being, uh, enjoying being a husband and a father, and uh, that's not the case. He One of his, probably his only demand in going down to Leon was that his family get to come with him. Uh, and then another myth, by the way, uh, when he signed, everyone saw the jerseys. The, he Landon took the number 20, mm-hmm. which everybody interpreted as the Dos Acero, as sort of a play off that, which was pretty clever. I asked Landon about that, and he laughed and said, I wish I was smart enough to come up with something like that. He goes, is that what people are saying? I said, yes. And he said, I wish I was that clever, but I'm not. His son, his second son, was born on the 20th. Right. And if you remember when he came back with the Galaxy and Geo had number 10, he took number 20 because of that. Right, right, right. Yep, I, I remember that. So, okay. So, anyway, so, you, yeah, you have Landon Donovan down there. You certainly, uh, it, it's certainly an interesting sort of throwback to LA Galaxy times. But, Kevin, there is uh, there are some rumblings and some rumors, once again, targeting the LA Galaxy. Uh, and it may and, be... And another 36-year-old over-the-hill superstar. I was, I was going to say, so, somebody who, uh, <laughs> who, who also is around the same age range. Uh, the Zlatan Ibrahimovic rumors are back, and it's not something that we bring up 
uh, just to get clicks and likes and talks and everything else. Although those are helpful. They always are. Um, but I would happily not talk about him for the rest of the season if this wasn't a thing. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, well, what can we sort of say about Zlatan Ibrahimovic right now in the LA Galaxy? Because you especially seem like you're a little bit... I, I'm telling you right now, the reason that we're bringing up Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Kevin, is is not because it's a fury of Twitter action right now. It's because there seems to be some information there. Yeah, uh, I'm hearing there could be an announcement within before we do our next podcast. Yes. Um, now... Having said that, you I'm the one who told you guys, uh, every all the listeners and you, Josh, personally, earlier this year that I am not following this Ibrahimovic thing anymore. I'm done with, with him, um, uh, you know, that I'm tired of, of the, the galaxy sort of trotting this out. I've carried water for them on this for two years. I've written I don't know how many stories, some of them breathless, where he's uh, going to be here any minute, and none of them turned out to be true. Now, in my own defense, because no one else will defend me, I will say <laughs> that I have been told – Afterward, that I was right on on all of those things, and the 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 deal for whatever reason each time kind of blew up. So here I am, uh, breaking my promise and going down this road again. But I am hearing uh, things that I can't, uh, you know, I I can't divulge my sources. Um, but I I'm hearing that it's very close. It could be announced, uh, like I said, within the next week, or it could never happen at all. This is what uh, we're in with Salatan. Um, but obviously the whole idea of he's not playing in Man- in Manchester, um, Mourinho has already said he's free to go whenever he wants to leave. Uh, and uh, probably most importantly, um, Manchester United now is out of the Champions League. That's the one major trophy that, that he really he re- really wanted to win before he left Europe. So even though he's not playing, he wanted to be on the team. Well, that, that hope has been dashed. United is not going to win the league title. They are still in competition for the FA Cup. Zalatan could not possibly care any less about that. <laughs> so, um, you know, the timing looks to be right. Uh, there are a lot of questions. Let's just, for the sake of continuing the conversation, let's just say that this rumor is right this time, and it hasn't been right for the last three years. But let's just say this one is right. Um, he could, uh, since he's been released, essentially, he could come and play now, is my understanding. I don't think he has to wait for a transfer window. I think he can come now. I think it would be a free transfer. Right. Um and uh, the only problem is, is what do they pay him and, and how do they fit him out of the roster? They already have three designated players. This is something Bruce Arena was a genius at. Remember, he got Nigel DeYoung, Ashley Cole, um, and who else came? And, uh, Yella Van Damme. Uh, Van Damme, Yella Van Damme. Got all three of those guys at the same time, and none of them were designated players. And you're talking about Ashley Cole and Nigel DeYoung, two of the, the best players in Europe, and they came over and, and they weren't DPs. Uh, that was pretty amazing. Bruce Arena is not there, and I don't know if this front office has the acumen to pull something like that off. But uh, either someone has to go, someone has to be bought down, or or Zlatan has to play this season for the Galaxy while cashing his checks from Manchester United, and the Galaxy have to convince him that that's a good deal for him. Yeah, I mean, there's so many questions. There's international slot questions if you're going to bring on Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Now, the Galaxy could do something as simple as loaning Joao Pedro down to LA Galaxy 2 if they really wanted to, um, and that would open up an international slot. So it's not necessarily insurmountable. They also could go out and buy an international slot from another another team who's not using them. So you could have that. Um, you know, Then you get into designated players. They have all three designated players. Listen, I have to imagine, and despite the fact that at the beginning of the year we were hearing miraculously that Zlatan Ibrahimovic might be coming over as a targeted allocation money player, Kevin, I don't think either of us are under that impression anymore. Um, 
uh, yeah, uh, hey, if if they could, if the Galaxy could do it, it would be great. But I just don't feel like that's going to happen. So with three designated players, did the LA Galaxy sell one? That's very, 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 very unlikely. So don't get your hopes up. All those people who want to get rid of Giovanni dos Santos almost immediately—that's not happening. Uh, at least not in my book. So um, you know, so so what's going to happen? You know, we've talked about buying down players before, and so if you're buying somebody down, well, the rules already sort of don't apply to buying any of the current designated players down, Kevin. And that's the, that's the big deal. Roman Alessandrini is, is the one who's on just shy of $2 million, like a couple dollars uh, shy of $2 million. You know, is it possible that the galaxy and MLS and everybody involved uh, come up with a rule change that allow the galaxy to buy down Roman Alessandrini? And whenever that rule change does come in, if indeed that's how it happens, you know, how, how massively upset are all other uh, MLS fans? Cause they think once again, the galaxy are pulling the wool over everybody's eyes by getting a rule change just for them. Um, and most of the time, by the way, the David Beckham rule that came in, um, you know, the designated player rule and, and even some of these these targeted allocation money and buying down players that you saw for Omar Gonzalez and, and just sort of different things. All that stuff gets voted on by league uh, or, or by team owners. So this wouldn't happen in a vacuum. And Garber doesn't just come down and, and decree these rules without certainly talking to all of the owners of all of the different teams. So when you're looking at this stuff and understanding that even if a new rule does come down, it's because the league sees an overall great benefit to doing it. They're not just going to make a rule for the LA Galaxy that other people couldn't utilize. If they make a rule, other people are going to be utilizing these things. So Well, yeah, I mean, it's a no-brainer. If especially with the Galaxy struggling. I don't think teams fear the Galaxy like they probably did even just a couple of years ago. So if the Galaxy goes to the league and says, hey, we can get Zlatan Ibrahimovic to come to our league and be on TV playing your, you know, and coming to your stadiums where your fans are going to want to come out and see him, if we can get him to the league, we just need a little bit of a rule change here. If we can do that, it would, the, the vote would be unanimous. And, and now the other part of that is the money. And if and again, we have to say we have to keep saying this that this is right now only talk. You know, we have not seen an announcement from the team or from uh, Ibrahimovic's agent or from anybody. So we're just dealing with speculation. But it seems a lot warmer than it has in the last three years. But the, the money then becomes the big issue with Ashley Cole and Nigel Young again. Or that was Bruce Arena. He convinced them that look, if you come here and play, you're going to get your money from from Roma. Uh, uh, and you can, in the case of Ashley Cole, you can come here. You're still going to make five or six thousand, three, or five or six million, three million, whatever it was. You're still going to make that much money. You're just going to play here, and you're going to get a little bit of a bonus for for playing here. But you're still going to get the same money you were promised in Roma, where you're not playing. And the players looked at that and said, "That's good. You know, I get to play, and I'm still going to make the money." Um, Ibra's contract runs out in May, so I don't know whether he's going to want to spend the summer here, not getting paid. Um, so uh, when, when they were talking to to him before, when the galaxy was talking to him before, I was told that the offer on the table would have been the most lucrative in MLS history. So that means it had to be over the 7.1 million at the time that Kaká was getting in Orlando city. Um, and I bring that up only to say that why would, why would Ibrahimovic, if he was offered that, and I'm told he was, if he was offered that a couple of years ago, why would he then now come over and play for TAM money? I mean, that does yeah. even if he wanted to, that just it, it's not a smart decision, and I don't think his agent would let him do that. And also, the money that we were talking about before, everyone was saying, "Oh my God, you can't pay this guy twelve or fifteen million dollars." Well, remember, Atlanta United just gave in a transfer fee. They just gave 
uh, away $15 million to get Ezekiel Barco, a guy who's injured, not even playing. So if now all of a sudden MLS is paying $15 million transfer fees, all of a sudden the the, the money they're talking about for Ibrahimovic, who doesn't doesn't need a transfer fee to come over, all of a sudden that money looks a lot more logical than it did a couple of years ago. It's just, again, there has to be a mechanism within the rules to make this happen. Yep, lots of interesting stuff going on in LA Galaxy land, as always. Uh, the LA Galaxy, uh, again, in the off week, Kevin, dropping positions in the standings, which I always find interesting. By the way, I- I've started one of the charts that I'm keeping this year, which I just started uh, this this year, Kevin, is to actually track the LA Galaxy's table position. Um, and so I was, I was just sort of looking because they didn't play this week that they actually drop in, in, in standings and how everything goes. So it's just another interesting sort of twist where the galaxy don't play Kevin last week. Um, you see, you see other teams obviously doing just fine and the galaxy were, I think at sixth, uh, before the weekend started. And then after the weekend, they're now in ninth in the Western conference. Um, but you look at what they've been able to do. Um, and what some of the other teams have been able to do, and it, it, it's starting to to put some pressure on the LA Galaxy as you see, you know, them sort of filtering down and, and not even playing. And the fact is, they don't play last weekend, and then on a quote unquote international break, an international break that'll see six MLS games by the way over the weekend, um, they're going to be playing. And I don't know if the break came at a good time or the break came at a bad time because even the break at a at a good time argument, is sort of foiled by the fact that Jonathan Dos Santos got injured in a closed-door scrimmage the Galaxy played against UC Santa Barbara on Friday. So there doesn't seem to be a lot of good news out of any of this stuff right now. No, and and that's why it's called a bye week, because in the Galaxy's case, they they went bye-bye down the standings, even though they didn't play, and that's kind of a weird thing. Um, I guess the good news is, um, I was going to say the good news is no one got hurt because they didn't play, but they got hurt in training. That's kind of where the Galaxy is right now. You don't even have to play a game to have players get hurt. And then they lost two other players to uh, international duty, which uh, kind of really, I guess not really a surprise, but maybe not expected. Yeah. So they wound up, what, how many players did they lose without playing a game? Three, uh, right? Yeah, yeah, three without. So here, here, let's go over all of the expected absences or at least uh probable absences for the Vancouver game coming up this weekend. Uh, Ola Kamara will be away on international duty with Norway. They uh, Norway plays 323 versus Australia and then travels to Albania on 326. Emre Clementa was the surprise there uh, in the call-ups, although it shouldn't have been. He's been called up before with Montenegro. Uh, they're three, they play 323 at Cyprus, at Cyprus and then uh, 327 versus Turkey. All right, Ashley Cole, we know, is suspended because of his two yellow cards. The yellow Galaxy decided not to appeal the red card there, and so uh, Ashley Cole will be suspended for that game. So he will be missing for the Vancouver game. Then we get into the injuries, and I have seven players currently on my injury list. Uh, Bradford Jameson still out with a concussion. Joel Pedro out with a hamstring. Roman Alessandrini out with a hamstring. Chris Pontius uh, took a knock, and basically he got need in the behind, Kevin. Uh, that is, that is the official injury there. Need in the Butt behind. Fumble. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and apparently it's pretty, it's got, it knotted up and it got tight. And so it just needs a release. 
So that's that's what he has to have there. He's got a tight buttocks. That's that's exactly. I, I don't think, think I, I don't want to see that one. I was, I, I'll take his word on it. I was going to say I think a lot of people might already say that, Kevin. Um, all right. So and then Michael Ciani with a groin injury. Uh, Giovanni don't, Dos. Don't want to see that one either. Yeah, I was going to say Giovanni Dos Santos with a hamstring, and then the most recent one, Jonathan Dos Santos, who got called up to the national team but could not be available because he got injured in that uh, scrimmage on Friday uh, with a hamstring as well. That's four hamstring injuries for the LA Galaxy right now. Now, if you're looking for any good news, it is that Joao Pedro and Chris Pontius are probably on the questionable list on those. And so you very well could see those guys back on the roster for Vancouver. So while you could have as many as 10 players, Kevin, and as many as six starters not be available for the game, uh, they may get two bench guys back in Chris Pontius and Joao Pedro before the Galaxy face off against Vancouver. And I should also note that Roman Alessandrini's update, or, or at least his status, should be updated this week as well. And there is a possibility that he could be available for Vancouver, although at this point, why would you even? Um, and, and so that's another one that you sort of have to keep an eye on. Giovanni Dos Santos also fits into that category, although we've always felt like he will not be back until the LAFC game if for the LAFC game. Well, well, a couple of things on all that. First of all, you know, the Mexican national team went from being a Dos Dos Santos team to being a zero Dos Santos team. Yes. No no, no Dos Santoses right. uh, for the Mexican national team. But the, the hamstring thing, you mentioned four hamstrings, and I think they're all midfielders. Um, that's a concern because um, hamstrings, once a hamstring has been strained or hurt, I mean, I, I, I guess it just depends on the severity. But hamstrings are never normal again. It's a little bit like a concussion. Uh, doctors will, excuse me, doctors will tell you when you get a one concussion, you're susceptible to further concussions, and each time you get a subsequent one, it is worse than it would have been if you hadn't had the first one. And hamstrings are the same way. Once you strain or pull a hamstring, especially if it's a severe strain, um, it's never going to be 100% again. And there's all kinds of stuff that happens. Then you start working on the injured hamstring, and then all of a sudden your other leg is not as strong as the one that was once injured. And so you begin to, to sort of run, and, and, and uh, your muscles begin to work with one another in a different way. And then, and then your, your, what, your supposedly strong leg, then it becomes susceptible. This is a, could be a real issue going forward, again, depending on the severity of the strain. And that's why my guess is we're only – now, this will be the third game into the season in Vancouver on a carpet. My guess is anyone with any kind of a hamstring issue, uh, unless it's 100% fully healed, is probably not going to make that trip or certainly not going to be in the starting lineup uh, on a carpet with a bad hamstring. That just doesn't seem like a good uh, combination for me. Yeah, I mean, you look at this, and again, playing during the international break. So you're already, by the way, let's say let's say that Jonathan Dos Santos and Giovanni Dos Santos weren't injured, Kevin. You'd have four players away on national team, and that would include three starters in Ola Kamara and Jonathan and Gio Dos Santos. So there's so even if they were healthy, you were going to be missing those three players, and then you throw Emra Clementa in there, who hasn't, I don't think, seen an eight. Teen, uh, very often, um, but hasn't been playing. So, you, you know, it's, it's again, just sort of a, a side note with Emeril Clementa, but you would be missing three starters with that um, national team call-up uh, playing over the international break is... Uh, 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 anyways, and this is, again, one of the frustrations of being an MLS soccer fan is that MLS doesn't 
uh, abide by the international breaks very often, and this is one that is certainly going to hurt the galaxy. Um, and maybe it, it got left in the schedule, quite honestly, Kevin, because the galaxy knew it was the beginning of the season, and if they're going to have any of these problems at the beginning of the season, they wanted to have them happen then. But having Ashley Cole suspended and all the injuries, really, it does. It takes six starters off the field with national team call-ups and everything else. There are going to be, that's more than half the lineup, the starting lineup, will be not uh, will not will most likely not be available for the Galaxy's game against and, and Vancouver. S- sadly, this is not anything new for the Galaxy. Last July, they played a game in San Jose where they they didn't even have a full bench, and they had I think nine or ten players at that point who were out. There, there was suspension. There was a couple of injuries. Uh, I don't know that there was any international duty then, but this is not you know at least the second time in less than a year that the Galaxy have been without nine players to play an MLS match. And again, you know, as we said in that one, they didn't even have enough players to fill out a, the the bench. And remember, that it also at that point, the guys that were going to on that they were calling up to to start, you know, were coming right off the uh, Galaxy Two roster pretty much. Um, at least this time, there's some veterans. For instance, you know, if Siani doesn't play and we don't expect him to, then all of a sudden Stara steps in. That, right. That, you know, I think that's pretty much a wash there, and, and in a couple of other positions. Um, but then missing Jonathan Dos Santos, I think that's going to hurt. Oh, who who starts? This is a good question. Who starts at forward? Yeah, I, Ola Kamara. They're, they're, you know, Bradford Jamison's gone. Who, who's going to start there? I mean, Ari Lasseter is probably the most likely one to to start up there right now. Um, and I think that's probably pretty likely. I I would put him as probably the preferred starter. The problem is that once he comes off the field, Kevin, you don't have a backup for him. Um, well, let's look look at the lineup. Okay, so the back line. Let's just do a, a lineup for this one right. briefly. So we got Cole Steris. Nope, because Cole's Cole's gone, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. So, so so Romney Romney's going to start over there, and then Shelvick. All right, and then Steris, and then Felcher, and Bingham is in goal. Those are fine, mostly untouched. Uh, Steris was always going to start in place of Siani, and Romney will start in place of Ashley Cole. Okay, and then and so and then the midfield. Uh, Pontius will be there, right? We don't know. We that's see that's sort of the question mark is will Chris Pontius be available for that? Because you're probably going to have to go with Kitchen and Carrasco in the center, or and then you have Baggio as well. And I think maybe I push, maybe I go if I'm Ziggy, maybe you know without Kamara, and now this time I play a four four two and have Botang up front with Ari Lasseter because I just don't think Ari Lasseter is prepared to play as a target striker all by himself, and and Botang would be. The next pick, I would probably play him up there. Yeah, you could. Um, the other thing you could do is also move Sebastian Legette into the Giovanni Dos Santos role. So move him underneath Ari Lasseter and make that be the connection. Um, you could have Boateng still on the side. The The real question is who plays on that right-hand side? Is it Baggio Husidic? Is it somebody even from LA Galaxy 2? Maybe an Ethan Zubak, who who I think is still coming back from injury. So I, he's, I don't know that he's 100% ready to fill in that role either. But, I mean, this is a game, Kevin, where... If you're Siggy Schmidt, I think you put somebody on at least on the bench like Efren Alvarez. Um, well, I was just going to wonder if Efren starts, and I'm of two minds of this. One, uh, uh, people be surprised I have a mind at all, but if I did have a mind, I would be of two minds on this. One is if you're not going to do it now, when are you going to do it? Right. You know, roll the dice. This is at desperation time. Give the kid a shot. That's one. The other thing might be, hey, you know what? This is a sort of a Bajo Husidic game in that, you know. Everything has gone bad. We don't have any, uh, you know, our leaders are all gone. Our best players are gone. Um, he is the most veteran guy you have on the bench. Put him out there. 
look a little more for some stability and less flash. Let's just try to grind out a one to nothing or two to one win. Um, you know, you put Alvarez out there, you have a lot more firepower and you're a lot more dangerous, but also things could go bad really quickly. You could wind up losing that game four nothing, five to one, because he's not going to probably not going to be as good tracking back on defense as Baju is. You know, he's more susceptible to make errors, not because he's a bad player, but because he's 15 making his MLS debut. So, again, tough call for Ziggy Smith, but I could see it going either way. Roll the dice. Let's throw the kid out there, see what he can do. Or not now. Let's wait till we have all of our players and their people around to protect him. Yeah, I mean, you can and you can go either way. Listen, um, I said this, I, I think, uh, at least last week, uh, knowing sort of the injury storm that was coming and not quite putting together the whole national team picture that was also going to suck some players away. But I I thought from the very beginning, as soon as you knew Ramon Alessandrini was out um, and that you had Giovanni Dos Santos out uh, with Michael Ciani out, you had all these sort of building uh, injuries that were coming forward. I knew this Vancouver game was going to be very difficult to win, one to win anyway. Um, so knowing that you're probably going to lose that game, because that's where I, I, if you're going to ask me right now, whether the galaxy won or lose, I'm telling you that they lose. Um, so knowing you're probably going to lose that game, is there some value to let a younger, a a less experienced team on the field and let them go out there and battle and see what they can do? We've, we've seen in the past, Kevin, where a young galaxy team could go out there and surprise teams. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if if Siggy Schmidt puts a youngish lineup out there with some veterans, some guys who certainly have experience behind them. I mean, it's not all... Listen, if you're already starting with zero points, Kevin, if you can get a point out of it, you stole points on the road. Um, so I'm, I, I don't have any issue with trying to change things up, giving some guys some more, uh, another week to rest, because let's face it, if you're going to put a priority on the next two games, which one are you going to put a bigger priority on? The one where you're, where you already know you could be missing 10 or eight players or the one where you probably could have most of your players back and you're going against a rival in a sold out StubHub center because the LA galaxy just announced that the game on March 31st against LAFC will be sold out. And I think you're looking at between 20. 5,000 and 28,000 fans at this particular game, Kevin. So, I mean, is if we're looking at priorities in the next two games, your priority is the LAFC game. Exactly. And it's not on a carpet, and it's your home game, and it's on national TV, and it's the first Derby. Uh, LA, what do we even call this? The, I don't know. The El Trafico? Derby. El Trafico, El Trafico yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the first El Trafico. Um, and it, it, you're playing a team that, granted, they're, they'll have been off for three weeks and maybe lost some of their momentum, but but they're coming in on a roll. They're they're two and zero, and they've scored six goals in two games. Um, so yeah, if you had to pick one or the other, do you want to uh, win a game uh, against a conference rival on the road in another country, or would you rather win the game in your home stadium against your crosstown rival? Win home, first win home games, Kevin. You have to win your home games if you're going to be a successful club in Major League Soccer. And the Galaxy, who only won three all of last year, have already won the one home game that they've had this season. So they're in a good position in terms of home game wins already. Focus on the home game. The away game against Vancouver is not something that you have to necessarily worry about in terms of its overall impact on the season. Does it make Galaxy fans feel any better, though, Kevin, if the Galaxy suddenly start with one 
win and two losses. Um, you know, and what happens if you can even look at that even further, Kevin? What happens if the LA Galaxy lose that LAFC game as well? That would be three losses in a row. You know, where's the is there pressure coming on Siggy Schmidt and everybody else? I mean, are, are the alarm bells going to ring? How upset are people going to be if this all sort of spirals spirals out of control in the first four games? But also, you look at the injuries they have, and it's it's an excuse, and it's a it's a good excuse. The LA Galaxy are missing a ton of players, and against Vancouver, they're going to be missing six starters. So you you take all this into consideration. I mean, you know where sh- how should fans be feeling right now going into Vancouver, and then possibly looking at LAFC? Well, and and then they have a little bit of a lull. Um, you know. Res- kind of respect of low, as you said, every team in this league is dangerous, but they have Sporting Kansas City at home and Chicago on the road. But then after that, they go into the real deep grass. They have Atlanta United. Uh, they have New York Red Bulls, Houston Dynamo, FC Dallas. You know, if they don't right write the, the ship soon, they could certainly hit June with a with a losing record, and that's not a good and, – and when you hit June, then all of a sudden you're looking at missing guys for the World Cup, the Dos Santos brothers – for a couple of months, probably, and so you know, I, I know people have been talking about how how they're not helpful, but they are starters. You, you all of a sudden you're going to go into that really important period without two starters for two months. Um, yes, the Galaxy has some depth in midfield, but again, if they're your starters, they're two of your best players. So, um, it, yeah, it's far too early to panic. But it is a little bit early to be concerned, I think. I, I think it's okay to be concerned at this point. Well, uh, another rumor that was out there outside of all these injury stuff that's going on, and of course outside of Zlatan Ibrahimovic, is uh, the Serbian attacker uh, Jordi Despotovic, apparently a target for the LA Galaxy, a $1 million, or excuse me, a $1 million euro transfer fee, also part of this particular rumor, uh, 26-year-old Serbian attacker. This is, a, this is an interesting rumor. It would be a lot interesting, a lot more interesting in my in my opinion, if Kevin, there wasn't a uh, a, a more likely uh, a more likelihood that Zlatan Ibrahimovic would be it, it could be a possibility in the next coming days, and so you look at this particular rumor, um, and I'm not sure that it's a great rumor that you really need to pay attention to, but I wanted to throw it out there because it is something that has happened since the last time we recorded, and wanted everybody to be aware of it just in case something falls through, just in case things go crazy, uh, and next thing you know, Despotovic is suddenly a, a uh, sitting on an LA Galaxy podium having a press conference uh, with his Galaxy jersey there and, and is ready to rock and roll for the Galaxy coming up soon. So just wanted to throw that one out there as well. Uh, just an interesting rumor. Nothing uh, nothing too important for anybody to worry about, but uh, it is out there. The, the It's circulating uh, the interwebs, as they say. Uh, by the way, yeah. here's a bit of breaking news. Just landed in my inbox, so that means it'll be really old by the time people listen to this podcast. But as we record at 6 o'clock Pacific time on Monday, uh, I continued inquiring to people who would be in the know about uh, Ibrahimovic and whether there, there, there's any fire this time, whether it's really happening. I just got an email from somebody who would be in a position to know, uh, works for MLS, and the, the, what this person says is the Galaxy have been handling those discussions, so the club will have to provide insight. That is not, never heard this before, I don't know what you're talking about, no, 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 this is not happening. This is more like, I'm not a, allowed to talk about this, but uh, I, the same token, I'm not denying it. So maybe, maybe we are a little closer than we have been in the past. Maybe. Never know. It's how it goes. Uh, LA Galaxy weekly schedule. The Galaxy are off Monday as we're recording. Uh, they will train on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then depart 
to travel to Vancouver on Friday and the Saturday, March 24th, 7 p.m. kickoff time with the LA Galaxy at the Vancouver Whitecaps uh, at BC Place there. That game can be found on Spectrum Sportsnet and Spectrum Deportes. And as I mentioned before, LA Galaxy have sold out their March 31st match at StubHub Center against LAFC. Apparently, even some of those bleacher seats that we see, the the so-called charger bleacher seats, Kevin, uh, are up for sale. Um, and maybe you can see them on StubHub or maybe there are other places. But apparently, uh, the get that, that game has sold out with very limited tickets available, mostly on secondary market. Um, and also, there are some tickets, I think, available for some, some more of the premium um, premium seating venues, and then also perhaps in some of the like multi-game, you have to buy a six-game mini plan in order to get this game included in that. So, well, it, and on the secondary market, the tickets are just blowing up. I mean, they're going for a lot of money. It'd be interesting. I, what I want to do when I see the uh, attendance figure that they announce, which, as we know, is not necessarily the number of people in the building. Um, but when they announce an attendance figure, I want to compare it to the, the Chargers' attendance. And I know the Chargers had t- trouble drawing too. But my point would be there is a demand for this for these for this game. We, there demand for tickets for this game. We know that. That's not a controversial subject. That we know that. So if the Galaxy didn't make absolutely every seat available, you know that a Charger fan could have had. You know what? What are they thinking? This this better be uh, a several hundred, if not a couple of thousand, better than any Charger game. Yeah, it, it as far should as attendance be. goes. I mean, you would think that, and I think the Chargers sort of show their numbers at around thirty thousand. Kevin, I don't think the Galaxy are going to reach the thirty thousand mark. I think it's going to be closer to twenty eight or twenty seven. And we, but, of course, but, but tell me, but tell yeah. me why? If the Chargers can shoehorn thirty in there, you don't. Is it is it, it there, there's something to do with the size of the pitch? Or I mean, the Chargers didn't have seats on the field. Yeah. Um, no, no clue, no clue. But I'm I'm just telling you that that I wouldn't expect that thirty thousand number to be the sellout number we hear announced on March 31st. I'm thinking that it's probably going to be around the 27th, and you're right. But this is, again, I get yelled at almost on a regular basis whenever I put out the number that the LA Galaxy give us as the announced attendance. And we, we've talked about is tickets distributed and not necessarily people showing up. So the, the disparity between what you see and what the number is can be an actual thing. All right, so that that's not a problem. But I get yelled at for putting that number out. I'm just telling you that I think that even though I think the Chargers list that stadium at around thirty thousand, that the Galaxy will show a sellout number of around twenty-seven or twenty-eight thousand on this particular night. And who knows? We could even go back to the twenty-five thousand four hundred and sixty-two seats uh, that we had as a sellout number uh, earlier this season. I think for the Portland game was the twenty-five uh, four sixty-two. Well, how can the Galaxy announce a sellout as around 27,000 and Atlanta get 74,000? Why is that? Well, because there's more people in Atlanta. Oh, it's like, a bigger like, city. Well, like, well no, it's a bigger it's, city. I'm mean, bigger city than Carson. But yeah, I mean, that's no. True. No, but what I'm saying, but listen, there's something going on in Atlanta that is very, very special. Um, Atlanta seems, and somebody told me this, and I don't know if this is true, uh, but they said that, you know, with Atlanta United, they're outdrawing the Falcons. Right, and people are saying that the that the games are much more exciting. I heard, I think it was Taylor Twelman that said that the other on the uh, the other day on a telecast that he had talked to some. I thought it was Taylor; it might have been somebody else. But one of the the TV guys said they had talked to fans and said that Atlanta United was much more exciting than going to a Falcons game. And I'm of two minds on that. Again, back to the two minds thing again. One is that's great, you know that that fans are turning out for soccer and that they're actually excited about that they're not going to see it because it's unique or unusual or they're they're sampling it that they're actually excited to be there that's the one but then the other part of it is 
why do we have to continue to compare ourselves to the NFL? And I know I do in some of my stories too, but I, I don't think the league or the sport has really arrived until you say, you know, this is the biggest crowd for a sporting event in the city or whatever. You, you don't hear the Dodgers comparing themselves to some other team or some other sport. They just say, hey, we sold out. We we sold 4 million tickets or whatever it is. They don't compare them. They don't need to justify themselves by being compared to another sport. And so on one hand, it's great they're out drawing the Falcons and, and people are more excited about it. But just say that people are excited about it. Don't keep comparing yourself to another league. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Uh, I think it's in soccer followers DNA. It's been the quote unquote unfair inferior sport in, in the United States for so long that there's always been this need to justify it. So, you know, the world cup will come around and of course the comparison will be that it, uh, the world cup draws more uh, people than a super bowl. Right. And it's by the way, it's a, it's a large number. That's not even close, but people in the United States tend to use that number probably a lot more than people outside of the United States. This is an inferiority complex that it, it seems to be, uh, that, that thrives throughout, you know, the supporters groups and throughout uh, regular MLS fans and everything is that you're so sick and tired of always having to argue that soccer is a real sport in the United States and it's there because you're there on a regular basis. You see that there's, you know, 25,000 people for every single game. You see that there's 73,000 people watching it and yet it gets no respect in a lot of major outlets. And so, you know, whether that's ESPN, which certainly has been, I think, giving it more more credit and, and Fox, uh, which has been giving it more credit. But for so long, MLS and soccer in the United States fought to be even recognized on a regular basis that there's still sort of this, oh yeah, well you're not recognizing us, but you look at Atlanta and they're drawing some more fans than the Atlanta Falcons do. Well, and what really gets me too is I'm a big baseball guy, as you know, and and but when I hear people talk about how exciting the one to nothing baseball game is, which it is, by the way, it's very well pitched. If it's a Clayton Kershaw, it is a very exciting game, even though it's one to nothing. That's exciting, and that's something to be uh, really, uh, you know, really go crazy about. But a one to nothing soccer game is boring, and you guys only scored one goal, or and, and nobody, you know, a zero zero draw, nobody won. Hey, if you're there, it, that's just as exciting, if not more so. Um, so, you know, I I understand what you're saying, and I agree with it, you know, wholeheartedly, but Soccer is getting very close to the point where it should it, it should and it will stand on its own. A one to nothing soccer game is every bit as exciting as a one to nothing baseball game. And people that don't understand that just um, you're probably beyond help at this point. Yeah, and I've seen a zero zero baseball game that's so boring it'll put you to sleep. Um, and I've seen a zero zero soccer game that almost made me stop watching the sport. So you know between those two things, that's the whole thing. It's always shades, and that's the that's always the argument for the detractors of any league is that oh you look at this game in Major League Soccer and it was horrible. And it's like yeah, there's some bad games in MLS, just like there's some bad games in EPL or in La Liga or anywhere else across the world. There are games that will put you to sleep if you watch them, but it's not all the time, and there's some really exciting games too. And that goes—that's true for any sport across the board. There are some games that are just boring, and some games that are good. That's just how it works. All right, um, let's see. Anything? Okay, so I think we've covered most of the topics. We have a ton of questions to get to, and we got about 20 minutes left that we can certainly cover these. Uh, do you want to hit those, Kevin, or do you have anything yeah, else? Yeah, yeah. Did we talk about Zlatan already? No, oh, yeah, I think we may have. Maybe, maybe okay. we'll talk about them some more. Uh, John writes in. He says, "Do we have enough healthy players to field a team?" And what date in particular are we allowed to start panicking this season? He says he's asking for a friend. Um, and then uh, his final question, because he gets three in here and we can hit each of them quickly, is... Hat trick. Yeah, hat trick. Do you have any insight into the financial ability for the Gs to bolster the team at this time? Well, we talked about Zlatan, Kevin. So we certainly believe the LA Galaxy have the money to be able to go out and land Zlatan Ibrahimovic at almost whatever number he's demanding. 
I mean, right. And and it that, now that you bring that up, one thing that we probably missed talking about earlier. He's 36 years old. Um, I don't know how, uh, and, and he's been injured. I don't know how robust he's going to be and, and how much of a difference he's necessarily going to make on the field. But he's going to make a huge difference in just the perception of the Galaxy. The Galaxy need to get their mojo back. They lost it last year when they, I mean, it was the worst season in franchise history, and they really didn't have. Ashley Cole might be the one, or, or maybe even you could argue Jermaine Jones, but they didn't have a huge internationally recognized star for the first time in a while. Because Before that, it was Landon Donovan and Robbie Keane and Steven Gerrard and David Beckham. They didn't have that. They lost their mojo. They lost their swagger. It's a lot of time to bring that back immediately, whether he scores 20 goals or not. He brings that back. And that is worth whatever it, it, it you know, within reason. I mean, $100 million would probably be a little steep. But right. if he's in that 10 to even the 10 to 12 a million dollar range would make him the the highest paid player in league history. Probably worth it because again he returns that swagger to the Galaxy, and I think the rest of the league would love having the Galaxy come into their stadiums and and bring a guy like Ibrahimovic with them, and they're going to start selling out. So I think it's a win win off the field, and then anything he brings on the field would be a bonus. And and I know that we talked earlier about how. You know, maybe he's the twelfth guy. Maybe he's the guy that comes off the bench. <laughs> I'm, if he comes, I'm yeah. so suspicious about what he's right. going to do in the locker room and how he's going to blow up that starting lineup. But the other part of that is is huge. And did I answer the question or did I stray? Too no, far? I think you got it. There is okay. there's basically as long as there's some rule changes, the Galaxy have the money to be able to bolster uh, the team right now at this time. Uh, he asks, uh, do we have enough healthy players to field a team? And I will tell you this: the LA Galaxy have 26 players on the roster. If you take 10 of those players, which is a possibility. Uh, that would leave 16, and as somebody rightfully pointed out on Twitter, there's three goalkeepers on that in that 16. So that means two yeah. of those guys are 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 not even uh, are not even going to play for the most part. So you're you're down to about 14 players. Uh, you can expect a pretty short bench for the LA Galaxy in Vancouver, uh, but I do expect Chris Pontius to be back and Joel Pedro. So that would, of course, extend that bench up to two more players to about 18. So you could still get an 18 man roster, but you would be dressing three goalkeepers in order to do that. So I doubt that happens probably 17 well here's another thing uh, you know lafc has been playing with the shortest roster in, in mls just because they haven't signed enough players and they've been using players from ucla and other other people just to have enough players to scrimmage and my guess is the phone's been ringing over at uh, galaxy 2 for the last couple of days and they're they're rushing people over just a so that there's enough players to train and then i my, my guess would be a couple of those guys are going to earn a, a trip to come up to vancouver if i were the galaxy i would take more than 18 simply because if you're taking a guy like joe pedro um or someone who's had some injury problems and they start to warm up and they're not right uh, i wouldn't want to go with a short bench when i left somebody back in la so uh, i think maybe they they might even travel with a few extra people yeah this is one of those uh those those weekend lineup predictions that's a nightmare um, especially when you're trying to figure out who's going to be on the bench or who could possibly start. Uh, it's just too much up in the air. And then uh, John's last question, of course, was what date in particular are we allowed to start panic? Because he's asking for a friend, just in case things go sideways, Kevin. I, I think we we hit on a little bit with if you lose against Vancouver, which is likely, uh, and then you go into LAFC, depending on who comes back, for LAFC, you could have enough players that that's now a competitive game again. Uh, if Roman Alessandrini is in the starting lineup, you know, if Giovanni Dos Santos makes it back as well. Jonathan Dos Santos is the real question mark now um, with his hamstring injury happening a lot later than both of those other guys. So uh, whether or not he would be available in that game is, 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 of course, of interest. But if you start doing that, that would be three losses in a row. That's a bad way to start. I still don't even think I'd panic then, though. Uh, I'd be I'd be concerned. By the way, we should just call Jonathan the good Dos Santos. <laughs> yeah. 
That I think most people have been calling him that for most uh, ever since he joined the LA Galaxy. So yeah, I, I think concern, but but then even if they were at that point one and one and three, I think they could beat Sporting at home. I think they could beat Chicago Fire from what I've seen. Then all of a sudden they're back to within a game of five hundred uh, before they hit that real tough stretch, and that would give them a little bit of momentum. So um, yeah, I, I would be very concerned if they lose. Yeah, or maybe maybe concerned, maybe not even very concerned. I would be concerned, a little bit worried, um, but. I wouldn't panic. I, I don't think I start panicking until uh, you know they have a point to game and we're into June. The the whole thing is you really have to start taking this and and Kevin and I are doing this and I'm doing it almost reluctantly. Is I'm grouping two games at a time and the way the galaxy have been playing and the way people have been getting injured and quite honestly the way people are going to start returning is that trying to look two weeks in advance is way too far to be able to understand what the motivation is who's going to be available and how you would rate against that opponent depending on what the opponent did the week before so if you're trying to look at the LAFC game right now you're doing it with your hands tied behind your back because you don't know who's going to be available you don't know who's going to be there and you don't know what the result's going to be against Vancouver if they steal a win somehow against Vancouver, Kevin, and the Galaxy suddenly get people back against LAFC, suddenly this flips the script a little bit, and now the Galaxy are riding a little bit of a high going into that LAFC game. So it all matters game by game, and I know athletes say it, but in this particular case, because of the variables, really take this game by game. Don't look ahead to LAFC. Focus on Vancouver right now, and that's the important one. But having said that, momentum is really important, especially with this team. I know there's a lot of new players, but those guys who were here last year, and remember 18, 8, 18, and 8, and remember playing a game with a short bench, and remember nine injured players, this just is deja vu all over again. And the last thing you want this early in the season is for players to start saying, oh, my God, you know, nothing changed. We're the same team we were last right. year. There's, there's no hope. That's not what you want. And you need a couple of victories and a couple of good performances at least to sort of remind you that this is a different team and uh, th that there's different hopes and expectations and possibilities. All right, let's go to Ivan. Ivan writes in and says, why are expectations for the LA Galaxy only a playoff run? As the best team in MLS history, shouldn't we demand and expect a title challenge from the Galaxy? It just seems small club-minded to be okay with a playoff run. Kevin, do you believe the LA Galaxy put together a lineup or a roster uh, that was just to make the playoffs, or do you think that they tried to put together a lineup or a roster that would win a championship? Well, there's a hundred answers to that question. <laughs> I will tell you what Chris Klein told me, because I asked him the exact same question, and he said, our expect expectation is always to win the MLS Cup. That's what we aim for. That's what our goal is. We want to be league champions. Then he kind of walked that back a little bit by following that declaration with saying, but of course there are you know, steps you have to take to get there, um, and making the playoffs is one of them. So in the same in the same answer, he basically said, our goal is to win the MLS Cup, but what we really want to do is make the playoffs. So to win the MLS Cup, you have to make the playoffs. I there do think that um, I thought starting the season, we'll see where these injuries go. I thought starting the season that this was definitely a playoff caliber team. I didn't think it would challenge for the Supporters' Shield. And again, this is going back to when the season was starting and everyone was healthy and just looking at the team. I didn't think it was a Supporters' Shield team. I thought it was a playoff team. Anything can happen in the playoffs. But the whole question of expectations is so interesting because you have, again, looking at another sport, you have like the Kansas City Royals make it to the playoffs and people go crazy. The New York Yankees get eliminated in the in, or lose the World Series, and it's a terrible season. Uh, I remember Joe Torre telling me once that after the, the Yankees lost the 2001 World Series, if you remember, they lost in the ninth inning – 
on a broken bat single that never left the infield against Marion Rivera, the best closer in, in the history of baseball. Uh, Arizona scored two runs in the last inning to beat the Yankees in game nine, the ninth inning of Game 7 of the World Series. And Joe Torre told me the next year at spring training, a fan came up to him and said, Joe, are we going to do better this year? <laughs> How can you do much better than that? So you you can catch that ball, right? I mean, that, that that's the that's the sort of difference. That's what you get with, here's the deal is, and I want to separate it a little bit, Kevin, and just say, what is the goal for the LA Galaxy? The Galaxy put together teams to win MLS Cups. All right, Chris Klein will tell you that. Siggy Schmidt will tell you that. And that's realistic. And that's what they went about trying to do is win an MLS Cup, win a championship. However, the expectation is that they're not going to be able to go from the worst team in Major League Soccer last year to winning an MLS Cup. So their goal, their first goal is to get to the playoffs. If you get to the playoffs, then things can happen. So if the LA Galaxy didn't build a team, and this is sort of where I was going with it, is the LA Galaxy didn't build a team and say, okay, how do we finish sixth in the playoffs? Or how do we finish sixth in the regular season so we squeak into the playoffs? They didn't say that. What they did was put together the best team they could in order to try to make the playoffs that way they had a chance at MLS Cup. And that is perfectly fine. And guess what? Every other team in Major League Soccer is probably doing the same thing outside of maybe Toronto, who was definitely looking at repeating and winning another MLS Cup and another supporter shield. Outside of Toronto, everybody else is saying, we have to make sure we get in the playoffs and then we can see what happens. Because Bruce Arena in 2009, Kevin, put together a team not to uh, put together a team to win an MLS Cup, but you don't think he was surprised that he was in the final game against Real Salt Lake that year that everything sort of broke his way in the playoffs because that team was not good in 2008 and they made it to an MLS Cup final in 2009. And with steeper competition, more teams, all of the things that you can add into that now, you look at the LA Galaxy and what is the expectation? The expectation is the Galaxy make the playoffs straight up that they make the playoffs. Anything short of that would be a complete and total failure. Once they make the playoffs... Can they win an MLS Cup? Of course they can. Anybody can. That's well, sort of the thing. The, this league is put together in, in such a way, the the salary cap and all those things, it's put together for there to be parity. And 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 what I mean by that is if a player performs well and is a, and has a certain number of years in the league, he all of a sudden becomes priced out of the market where he is. A guy like Sean Franklin really wanted to stay here. Galaxy couldn't afford him. He'd been in the league too long. He'd performed too well. They had to, The Galaxy had to get rid of him. And I remember Bruce Arena went to Sean Franklin, and he goes to some of these players and say, where would you like to, you, you deserve a raise. We cannot afford to pay you flat out. Um, we don't want you to stay here and get less money than you deserve. You need to take care of your family. You need to go somewhere and earn the money that you deserve. Where would you like to go? And then Bruce tried to make an arrangement to send a player there. And generally a player of making that much money winds up going to a developing club because they're the ones that don't have the veteran players. And so you see a lot of these guys kind of move around. And we're not talking about designated players. We're talking more about the Sean Franklins who tend to, you know, and, and now I guess maybe A.J. De La Garza could sort of be in that boat too. Guys that move around a little bit. Um because they have to go somewhere to make money. That's why you don't see d dynasties in MLS, except for, I mean, the one exception would be, I think, probably the Galaxy. Right. Seattle, you could say they're a dynasty. They made the playoffs what, nine years in a row, but they've won one MLS Cup and only been to two. So I, that you really can't compare that with what the Galaxy did going to the playoffs eight years in a row and winning three MLS Cups. It's totally different, but it's an anomaly. That's why we talk about the Galaxy being the dominant team, because nobody else has ever done that. Well, and they've outperformed that average, basically, Kevin, their entire existence. They've, been to, they've won to five MLS Cups. Nobody else has done that. 
Um, they have beat the averages. I think they're still the winningest franchise in Major League Soccer. So they still have that going for them as well. They tend to beat the aver- averages. So last year was horrible. Um, this year, a good playoff run would be such a huge improvement from what they were last year. It would be ridiculous. But to expect them to go from worst to first as, a, as an actual expectation, then I think you're setting yourself up to be disappointed. Um, because that's just a huge step, and there has to be a baby step. There has to be a surprise. And Bruce Arena got lucky and got surprised in that 2009 season. Certainly, everybody agrees that. Picked up Omar Gonzalez, picked up AJ De La Garza, you know, had some really good players in that. Um, maybe got a little unlucky not to win that MLS Cup, quite honestly, but lucky enough to get to that MLS Cup. So, Lost in penalty kicks. Yeah. So, I mean, I think what you do with this team is you say last year was the worst team ever, 8-18 and 8 again. Hey, you know what? If this team is at 500 and makes the playoffs, rather and 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 even if they lose in the first round, rather than say that was a disappointing season, yeah, you didn't win MLS Cup, but would you take a playoff team over last year's team? Which one would you rather see? Which one would you rather cheer for? Which one would you rather watch? Obviously, the playoff team. And so to to say, well, we only made the playoffs and we didn't win the title. It's a, you know a, I hate this team. It's disappointing. Is kind of really missing uh, missing the picture. Uh, you you want to improve. I don't think winning nine games is an improvement over winning eight. It, right. It, you know, I mean, mathematically it is, but I don't I don't think you you go crazy about that. But I think making the playoffs and maybe making it uh, you know to the conference semifinals that would be a that would be an improvement. That would be something to be happy about and not worry too much if you don't get any further than that. It's a step forward again, that, baby steps. You you need to see that jump and you want to see the Galaxy make a significant jump. And I think making the play- playoffs right now would be a significant jump for how bad they were last year. So, uh, yeah, I get it. I under, I would also understand, I get why people, by, why LA Galaxy fans are uh, tend to pull back and, and tend to be pushed back against the idea that making the playoffs is a good step forward because they're expecting MLS Cups. They've won a, they've won a bunch, five MLS Cups. They've been in a bunch of finals. Um, you understand why that is, but it's not like the Galaxy, again, are going out there and trying to build a team to finish sixth in the playoffs. They're trying to build a team to win an MLS Cup, but so is everybody else. So it just, to me, it, it, you look at the expectations, and the expectations should be that the Galaxy need to make, make a significant jump this year, and that means getting into the playoffs and doing maybe doing some damage in those playoffs. All right, we'll continue on. We, we lingered on that one and just sort of got away from us a little. Um, let's see. Uh, this one comes in from, uh, from a Twitter user. He says, uh, uh, hi, Josh, the new LA galaxy in-house training sports medicine staff, um, seem to be to blame, uh, for all of these injuries. Uh, is it a lack of fitness? Um, or is it just the simple overtraining? Uh, I know teams will always have injuries, but one of the main talking points from Chris Klein in 2017 was the galaxy's cleaning house and new medical crew. What do you think, Kevin? Or have they overtraining? Well, I, that's a really good question because you do have four hamstring injuries, and and that kind of leads you to think that there's something going on, whether it's uh, the field conditions. I mean, I, I don't know. If, if, if four people get sick at the same restaurant, you know that the, there's something wrong with the food. So if four people have the same injury, you kind of have to wonder, is, there's, is it something they're doing? Ziggy bragged about in the preseason how they had two a days when they went to Arizona and how fitness was – uh, a real big thing. You remember, he, as they would lose preseason games, he would talk about they were playing through them. They were continuing to train very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the end of that, you think, well, these guys are going to be fit. Sometimes you get to the point where you're right on the edge of it. You, you're so fit, and I know this sounds counterintuitive, but you get so fit that you're right, always right on the razor's edge of an injury because you're you're so highly 
um, I, I don't know what the word is. You're, you're you're so fit that you're almost hurt, and so it it doesn't take much um, um, uh, to to bring that injury along. And I, I know I'm rambling, but uh, I go back to think I, uh, a guy that I used to to know was a sub four minute miler was about to be a sub four minute miler, and this was back when that was something important. Not back to Roger Bannister. I'm not that old, but anyway, the point is he he had so he was so well honed and so perfect that he stepped off a curb and broke his ankle. Most people don't step off curb and break their ankle. It was just that he was so uh, at the razor's edge of fitness that any little thing could have knocked him off kilter and, and, and that happened. So you look at this and say, maybe they're so fit that they're having this problem, or maybe they're, they're not stretching properly. Maybe there's something to do with that. Um, on one hand, I, I kind of want to look at the athletic training setup and say, you know, is there something that's going on here that you guys aren't doing right? And I know the Dodgers had some problems a year ago with injury or a few years ago with injuries and they cleaned house too and, and, and have done a little bit better since then. So maybe there is something with the methods they use, but it's the same token. We just had a guy save someone's life on a plane. So I, I, I kind of really don't want to go there right. uh, with full force, but clearly that's something that needs to be looked at. And, and, you know, if one guy had an ankle and another guy had uh, a groin, and uh, but four hamstrings, four starters, four hamstrings, that, that that just calls out for a little bit of investigation. Something's going on there, and I'm sure the Galaxy have noticed that as well. Yeah, I think they have. The other thing that's at least of interest is the Galaxy escaped preseason without any injuries outside of the, the Bradford Jameson concussion, which actually happened before they even went to Tucson. Um, they escaped it without any injuries. You had guys who were coming in, and this was something that Siggy Schmidt was talking about, you know, that they are entering the season healthy. And that's what we saw, you know, going into that first game is that everybody looked healthy. It looked like a good game. It looked like, you know, the Galaxy were on track here. And now you've seen it happen. And I'll tell you, ever since the Galaxy have started the season, they've actually really pulled back on the training, Kevin. Most of those, you know, after the first week, I think they had two days off during the week. And most of the time, it's only one day off um, plus a recovery day. But there were two days off plus a recovery day. So you saw that the Galaxy were scaling it back, way back, in order to let these guys get better. And I think they actually took Saturday and Sunday off of this off week, and so they played on Friday in the closed-door scrimmage, and then took more days off. And so they're trying to rest bodies and get people back, but we even saw Emmanuel Boateng, Kevin, not be able to train for most of the week ahead of the New York City FC game, basically because he was not fit in terms of his body had not recovered from the game against Portland the week before. So you're seeing guys that are certainly tired, uh, but the Galaxy seemed to have almost reacted to that and and really pulled back on the training and giving these guys time to recover and letting their bodies recover. But it doesn't seem to have helped any. Because no, <laughs> I'm going to question that too because right? I'm going to say that your body gets used to um, the exercise or the stimulation that it gets every day. And so sometimes taking a day off um, or multiple days off, I think a day off is probably good, but multiple days off sometimes, again, counterintuitively, uh, your body reacts to that in a strange way. Like now all of a sudden it can't get loose again. It's had too much time off. It's sort of, uh, uh, you know, it's stiffened up a little bit and you're, you can't get back to that place where you used to be. Sometimes it, even if you just go out in the field and to just sort of jog lightly around the field and don't even kick a ball, sometimes that at least gets the blood flowing and helps. And, and my guess would be that's something the Galaxy is going to look at too. Yeah, so, um, so it's definitely one of three things, Kevin. It either is totally related to overtraining it's either it's it's totally related to not training enough, or there is no relation, and we're just making connections because they all are hamstring injuries. Right, and and then remember Brian Rowe got hurt working out on his own last year. Yes. I mean, <laughs> that's not a, the trainer's fault. It's just it's some of the stuff is kind of freakish. But when you do have you know you're t two games into the season and four guys have hamstring injuries, yeah, I do kind of think that that's a a big red flag.
All right, uh, let's go to uh, Scott. Uh, Scott has a fun question for us. Uh, we'll PG this one as much as possible, and if you don't understand this joke, it's probably because you're not old enough to be able to understand this joke, so ask an adult. Uh, it is time to play F, marry or kill Kevin. Uh, we have to F one, marry one, and kill one. Uh, people who ask about Zlatan, people who ask about Zhinyak, or people who ask about Pato. They actually, you know what? This question is for me. It has nothing to do with you. I'm the one who deals with these questions all the time. It drives me crazy. Um, so if you're going to... Okay, so my 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 F1 is going to be um, these, these Zlatan ones for sure. Uh, the Merry ones are going to be the Zhinyak ones because I think Zhinyak would be the best signing the galaxy you could make. And uh, the kill one is anybody who asks about Pato. And I, I almost take that one seriously where anybody who asks me about Pato anymore is getting banned and blocked and slapped. So do you have any disagreements on that or can we move on no you don't you really don't like the duck do you no no you know what there's there's two ducks that are in my uh in my complex right now and they they're, they're like haunting my car every time i go to leave they're all the ducks are like right behind my car and i can see oh, them on my backup camera and probably it, relatives probably could be definitely pato has people all around putting the feelers out um let's see duh, 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 duh. oscar asks is it fair for fans to count out the galaxy already for the game not only versus vancouver but against lafc Although most guys should be back for versus LAFC, is it fair, Kevin? No, I mean that's not, you know, I it's it's a cliche, but that's why they play the game. Anything can happen. Did did you really think that when the team went back to New York City, they were going to lose all those players with injury? No one thought that that was going to happen. Did you think that LAFC was going to beat Seattle when they got one shot on goal and were totally outplayed for the second half? No, that's why you kind of play the game. I mean, that this could be who knows, who knows. You're predicting that, or you're you're leaning toward. The Galaxy losing that game in Vancouver. What if, with all these injured players, they get outplayed and eke out a one to nothing win? Um, that could be a, a, a gutty victory. That could be a season changing victory. Could be. Um, go ahead. No, I was going to say could be. No, that, I mean that's sort of the whole thing. Is we that's what we just talked about taking it one game at a time because things, motivations change and. As you said, you could have the young guys go and, and win a game and, and be totally against the run of play and, and they steal it. I mean that's how LAFC won the first game against Seattle. All right, was basically they stu- they got a goal and then they were got lucky because Seattle hit the post and did everything but couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. So those things happen, and certainly during last season there were ge- there were games where the LA Galaxy were probably the better team and didn't win, um, and may have won a couple games or let's see they didn't win that many games, but maybe one or two games where they stole a victory on a team who outperformed them. So all that stuff. Hey, again, you were absolutely right. That's why they play the games. Um, let's go. Uh, Rizoka on on Reddit says basically just says um, with the string of injuries last year and the injuries this year, do we have to start questioning the fitness coaches or the intensity of training? So we talked about that. I wanted to make sure I got uh, that question out there. Um, somebody else, let's see. Uh, somebody says, how's the team search for a backup striker going? We've talked about Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Despotovic. Um, so maybe one of those could possibly uh, be that. And that was from uh, Reddit on uh, Walcott on early. Um, did, did you know you just said backup striker and then you mentioned Zlatan Ibrahimovic as the answer to that? I mean, well, if you're a Galaxy fan, that right there has got to be pretty cool. That I was going to say, I was, I mean, a little bit. I don't know that we're going to call him a backup striker, but he's going to be an addition at striker. How about that? With no, the, to his face, you're going to call him God or Sir Zlatan sir, yes, or sir. something like that. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, God Zlatan. Uh, any, and this is another one from uh, another uh, Twitter, or, or, excuse me, Reddit uh, user, uh, CSBSJU guy uh, says, any news on Ibra, which I think we've covered as well. I also did something I've never done before, Kevin. I asked people on Instagram if they had any questions, because why not just throw all the social media out there at once? Uh, so let's go to, to Albert. 
Alberto Diaz says, should the front office go after Greg Burhalter as a coach if he leaves the crew after the season? So Alberto's getting ready to get rid of Siggy Schmidt already, um, which I think is interesting. So do you think Greg Burhalter could be a guy who comes and play or and coaches for the LA Galaxy in the future? I think absolutely. I think that's a that would be an inspired move, and it would, you know, the Galaxy have a long history of keeping things in house and and promoting coaches. I mean, Burhalter was a player here, then a player coach, then a, you know, and and then they sent him to their their team. I think in Sweden, right? Is that where he went for a year yeah, and then came so. back to yeah. MLS? Um, I think that would be an inspired choice, and I, I don't want to set aside the Ziggy thing, but I don't want to go to it in depth, only to say that Ziggy is getting up there in years. You do have to think about a transition. Not a lot of guys coach into their 70s. So you do have to start thinking about the transition. And so let's let's just say, for sake of argument, that um, you think Ziggy's got another two or three or four years, but Burhalter becomes available right now and you're going to lose him if you don't sign him. That might be enough for them to say, look, you know, Ziggy may be the best guy next season. And I'm not saying that he is. He's in a little bit of a rough patch when you look at how he ended his Seattle time how he did last season and now at the start to this season. He's in a little bit of a rough spot. But if you decided that Ziggy's your guy going forward, but Burhalter becomes available, I think you'd be silly not to at least consider the possibility of building for the future by getting that guy in here. Yep, and then a, a VDVLA soccer fan asks about the latest on the injuries for all of uh, all of that, and I think we've given that as well. Um, let's see. This is the last last question I think we're going to touch on here tonight, and then we're going to call it a day. Uh, I'll be the one, says, looking at New York Red Bulls, although they didn't win this past weekend, the way they approach their academy and bring you through their system seems to be, so far, the best approach in the league. Have the Galaxy completely dumped the idea for the youth movement, this past weekend, Los Dos, LA Galaxy 2, were playing a 4-4-2 with some first-team players making the starting 11. Why aren't they installing the same system? Uh, does the first team even have a system? Looking at Zardes, he seems to be doing great with Columbus's system as he had many chances this past weekend making dangerous runs and shots. Thanks and looking forward to hearing from you guys. All right, a bunch of stuff to touch on there, but let's just focus on the one main question here is, have the LA Galaxy dumped the youth movement idea, Kevin? Oh, it worked so well last year. I can't imagine that they would move on from that. I mean, gee, that's a blueprint for uh, MLS dynasty. Um, I think they have. I think they're a little bit scared of even going down that road right now. Um, uh, so, yeah, for the time being, I think that they've kind of moved on. And, and it, unfortunately for some players on LA Galaxy 2, that has been a, a kind of a real disaster. I know there were a lot of guys that signed last year and what they told me was, look, I can't I could have gone anywhere, but I came here because this is a team that has a reputation of bringing guys up from Galaxy 2. And you know, you go down the list even before last season, Steris, Romney, you know, Diop, they brought guys up. Uh, all of a sudden that that's not happening. Um, and so I do think that there's going to be a little bit of withering. There's going to be a period where um, um, players aren't just going to get promoted. The Galaxy are going to look outside first. Um, as far as the formations, you know, one thing Bob Bradley talked about in trying to fill out his roster, he said, you know, if there's a guy out there that we could bring in and he's, you know, maybe he's a forward, uh, but what we really, really need for our team scrimmages is a midfielder and we're going to play that guy in midfield and scrimmages. He starts to wonder, look, what is my real role on this team and, and what am I supposed to be doing? And, there, and the, the reason I say that is if all of a sudden Galaxy 2 just started playing the same formation, the same tactics, but they didn't have the players to do that, Ola Kamara is a very special talent, and he's a target striker because he has the talent to do that. If LA Galaxy 2 doesn't have anybody like that, creating a position and just pushing somebody up there that can't do that, 
is probably not the best way to win. I mean, you don't take a defensive lineman and make him be a quarterback just because you have a need and you, you want to sort of mimic somebody's formation. So I think the Galaxy 2 are probably doing the right thing. They're playing their players in their best positions and giving them the best chance to succeed. And then when they come up to Galaxy to the Galaxy, you know, Ziggy Schmidt will use them wherever they need to, to be played. But so... Uh, I wouldn't get too worried about the formation. Ideally, you would go out and and have the same kind of players, but you know it, things aren't always ideal. And the final part of that question is: Let's please. It's too early in the season to start. The Giassi's artist should have stayed here. He would have scored twenty goals. Giassi's artist needed to go. I think everybody we talked about this ad nauseum in the winter. Everybody knew Giassi was going to have a tremendous season um, in Columbus. He's still a really good talent. It just wasn't working here for a number of different reasons, and maybe someday he'll write a book and tell us what they all are. But I think Jossie's going to have an outstanding season. I think he's going to score at least 15 goals, maybe more, but he wouldn't have done that here. He needed to go somewhere else. Yeah, it's it's the change of scenery. It's like Omar Gonzalez whenever uh, he finally went to Liga MX is that, and then had success down there with Pachuca is that he he did that and he had success there, but that success doesn't necessarily mean or translate to success with the LA Galaxy if he would have stayed. That was a guy who's clearly ready to move on, wanted to move on probably a year before he ended up finally going to Liga MX. So all those things happened. And, and with Jossie's artist, he was just done. And you've heard him talk to the press uh, about how clear it is and how clear Greg Berhalter has been with you know, sort of the directions that he gives Jossie's artists, which is he knows exactly what to do and how to do it and what position he's supposed to be in, and there's never any guessing, and so it's crystal clear. And maybe that's a knock on on the LA Galaxy last year. Uh, clearly, Kevin, you, you talk about it. You know, playing a guy out of position, not even understanding why he's there anymore. Um, and so it was a loss of confidence. And if he stays, that confidence doesn't suddenly get renewed. A spark doesn't suddenly fly whenever he goes to Columbus. Now he has a chip on his shoulder. Suddenly he's 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 this attacking prowess, and he has that confidence again. So that's what you want to see um and that's fine and it is by the way if you're already saying and i've seen it on twitter a bunch and i, I people have, have have you know sent me emails saying that you know the la galaxy got the worst of the deal with uh with columbus and you sit there and you pump the brakes a little bit it's a long season 34 games wait to see how it plays out um but bottom line was that jossie's artist wasn't going to do the same or it was highly unlikely that he would have that type of performance for the la galaxy um and that uh, only with columbus is he able to sort of reach those echelons well and and you know, yeah you're right pump the brakes on this thing about the galaxy got taken on that deal this is the guy ola kamar is the guy they wanted forever and a day they got the guy they wanted now if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out but they got the guy they wanted they they didn't have to settle for somebody they in the entire league this was the one guy that they had focused on and they got him um you know one thing about jossie when after the trade was announced and i went out to see him and his wife i really kind of expected a little bit more of a golly gee it didn't work out and we're sad and we don't want to leave and this is our whole life man they were like we cannot wait to get out of here um you know we we've already got a house in columbus we're on our way this is great um that doesn't mean they didn't like L.A. Or, or even didn't like the Galaxy, but I think both Jossie and his family realized that um, if he was going to succeed, it wasn't going to happen in L.A. And and they really went into this, I thought, with the right mental approach, which was let's make the best out of this. This is good for us. This isn't sad. And a lot of times when players get traded from their original organization in any sport, they look at it as the, the organization gave up on them. I think Jossie looked at it as Columbus wants me. And that's why he's playing so well. Yep, very well could be. All right, Mr. Kevin Baxter, anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? Have we talked about Zolotan yet? I think we have. All right, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at KBaxter11. 
And of course, LATimes.com, where all of his writing is and where you can find all his stuff. Please head over to LATimes.com, support Kevin uh, in all of his uh, coverage of soccer in Los Angeles. If you're looking for me on Twitter, at Jay Guessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com, where, of course, you can pre-order your scarves that should be coming in the next three weeks or so, um, and any of our other swag stuff you can find there at cornerofthegalaxy.com. Click on our shop button. Live show coming up on Thursday, getting you ready for the LA Galaxy's game against the Vancouver Whitecaps coming up on Saturday, March 24th at 7 p.m. That game is on Spectrum Sportsnet and Spectrum Deportes. For Mr. Kevin Baxter, I'm Josh Guessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.